Well, uh, my name is Joe Andrews. I'm the campus pastor here. And if you don't really know what that is, you don't need to feel too bad uh, because I don't know what a campus pastor is or what he does. And I don't feel too bad about it. Uh, (laughs) It is a little weird for me to be up here because I feel like I'm kind of in the pastor's spot. I'm usually sitting where you guys are and, uh, and he's up here and I'm always listening to him preach. So it's a little bit weird. I do think this is the only job in the world where your boss says, hey, why don't you try and do my job in front of about 200 people, and I'll be 20 feet to your right just watching you try. So, really appreciate this. (laughs) Uh, No, I I love being with you. Uh, One of my passions is teaching the Word of God, and I hope as we dive into the text today, that's exactly what we do, is that we just learn more and more about God. As I was preparing this message, I, I thought of something that really kind of goes hand in hand, and it's a question that I have. And I, let's see if this is also true of you. Did you ever think you knew something and you thought you knew it pretty well, but it turns out after you experienced it that it almost was like you didn't know it at all? In fact, you may, maybe everything that you thought was actually still true, but it was just that and so much more. I really feel like that is how Jesus is. Now, let me give you one more example. Uh, I remember hearing about the Grand Canyon, all right? I remember reading articles and books on the Grand Canyon when I was a kid, and it, it it sounded amazing. I knew how deep it was. I knew how wide it was. I knew what animals lived there. I knew a lot about the Grand Canyon, and I really wanted to go experience the Grand Canyon, I had heard people talk about the Grand Canyon, and they say, you just have to go. It is absolutely stunning. You're going to enjoy every second of it. But it wasn't until I got out of the car at the Grand Canyon, and I walked to the edge of the Grand Canyon, and I thought, wow, this is truly amazing. And it was then where I didn't say, well, I didn't know anything about the Grand Canyon before. I did. In fact, everything I knew about the Grand Canyon was still true, but I knew so much more as I stepped to the edge. I really think that that's exactly how Jesus is, and we're going to see that in this text. Actually, my title today is Jesus is Everything and More, and we're going to look at how Jesus is everything and more to us today. Before we get into that, though, I just want to give you a little bit of context with what we're going to be. We're actually going to be in Mark 9, but I want to give you some context so you know about what is happening as we get into Mark 9. Now, Mark 9 is the transfiguration. You guys have probably heard this preached numerous times in your life, and I'm excited to look at this, but uh, Jesus takes the disciples up to a high mountain. So this whole story takes place on a high mountain, probably near Caesarea Philippi, maybe somewhere else. Uh, there's scholars that are debating, which mountain was this on? You know what? It doesn't really matter, and we don't really know. So let's not worry about what mountain it was on, but let's focus on what happened on the mountain. All right? Now, uh, Jesus takes his closest followers, all right? You have the 12 disciples, but within that group, we have what's called usually the inner circle, okay? And it's Peter, James, and John. So Peter, James, and John go up this mountain with Jesus. Now, Peter, James, and John have been living with Jesus basically for three years. They're following him every single place that he goes, 
They are loving him. They are getting to know him more and more and more each day. They're just falling in love with who Jesus is. They understood who Jesus was. They had a great idea of who Jesus was. In fact, in Mark 8, you have Peter's confession that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and he's the son of the living God. And that came, that came after the question that Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter was the first one just to say, I know exactly who you are. You are the Messiah and you are the son of God. Because the Jews were always waiting for the Messiah to come. They were waiting for a man to set them free and be their king. But one other thing that Peter got right was that Jesus was the son of the living God. And so Jesus, I mean, Peter had this amazing view of who Jesus was. And so did James and John, and so did the other 12. Peter's confession is absolutely stunning. And you would think that after that confession, Peter had probably arrived at knowing exactly who Jesus was and exactly how all of Jesus fit into Peter's life, and that he just has this amazing understanding of who Jesus is, and you'd probably be wrong. And that really brings me to the one thing that I want you to see today, because you and I are just like Peter, all right? Here's here's what I want you to take home today. If you don't remember anything else from this sermon, and tomorrow somebody says, what was the sermon about yesterday at church? This is what you could tell them that your idea of Jesus is way too small. Now, usually pastors don't just come up here and tell you everything that you're doing wrong on their first point of their message. But that's exactly what I'm doing, isn't it? I'm saying to all of you that your idea of Jesus is so small. And even Peter, James, and John, their idea of Jesus was too small. And they were about to see the transfiguration, which gave them a much bigger view of who Jesus Christ was. I remember in Argentina, uh, when we were still trying to learn the culture and learn some of the, uh, the differences in language and things like that, I remember hearing someone pray. And when they were praying, what I heard made my blood instantly boil. Usually they would say, Heavenly Father, when they started their prayers. But this person said, instead of Jesus, Jesus, they said, Jesucito. Okay, now when you add ito on the word of any Spanish word, at the end of any Spanish word, what it is, it's a diminutive. It makes whatever you're talking about smaller. Okay, so if, if I was pastor and they wanted to say, hey, the little pastor, they would say, okay, that's the pastor. Or if they want to say little pastor, they're going to say pastorcito. It's little pastor. It makes anything small. A little ball, pelota, that's ball. A little ball would be pelotita, okay? And so you can do that with anything in Spanish. It's actually really cool. But you know what you should never do that with? Jesus. Why? Because their idea of Jesus was too small. It's not Jesucito. It is Jesus, the king of everything, our maker, our creator, the one who has saved us. And so when I say that your idea of Jesus is too small, I'm not just saying you, okay? I know that I'm up here and I'm giving this message today, but I am with you 
in this. My view of Jesus is too small as well. All right? And as I was studying this passage, my idea and my understanding of Jesus grew, and it's bigger now than it was. And I hope that for you today, that as you hear today's message, you would say, my idea of Jesus has gotten bigger. My understanding of who he is has gotten greater. But I'm in the same boat with you. My view of Jesus is too small. You know, we're humans, and we fall short on so many levels. And one of the main areas that we fall short, aside from sin, is our view of God. It's always too small. So let's uh, go ahead and read Mark 9, 2 through 10. It says, And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and he led them high up on a mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, and it said, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. They still didn't understand everything that was going on. They didn't understand Jesus' words about him rising from the dead. They still had a small view of Jesus, even though they had spent almost three years with him, because this is near the end of Jesus's ministry, which means it's the end, near the end of his life, which means he is going to be, he's going to be, uh, someone is going to be a traitor to him. He is going to be arrested. He is going to be beaten, and then he is going to be led up Golgotha, and he is going to be crucified, and he is going to be buried. Before we really get into this text, we really need to go back to Peter's confession of who Jesus is, because I think this, uh, what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration is what we call it now, uh, what happened up there really is seen much more clearly if we understand exactly what Peter uh, was saying when he confessed Christ as Messiah and the Son of the living God. So when, when Peter said that, first he says, okay, you are the Messiah, you're the one that's going to save us, you're the king, we know that you are a man, but you're also the son of the living God, which puts you on par with God. And so Peter really understood who Jesus was. He understood that Jesus was man, and he understood that Jesus was God, which brings us to our next point. Jesus is the God-man. He is the God-man. He is 100% man. And on the other side, he is 100% God. He is fully man like you and I. And he is fully God, like God the Father. He is the son of the living God. Now, this is a doctrine uh, that you've probably heard of before. Uh, I don't know if you know much about me, but I love Christian doctrine. Now, I don't get caught up in too many of the things that people argue about. You know what I really love? 
the main and the plain, clear doctrine in Scripture, the things that set us apart from the rest of the world that says, I'm a Christian, here's what I believe. I love that doctrine. And if, and if uh, you ever meet with me and you say, hey, can you, can you uh, maybe just start meeting with me and we can go over some things in the Bible, guess what I'm going to take you through? Basic Christian doctrine because I have such a passion for it because it really is what separates us from the rest of the world, other religions and everything else. And the one doctrine that really separates us from everybody else is called the deity of Christ. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard that term before. If you haven't, it really just means the godness of Jesus, okay? That he is actually God. He was a man, he walked on the earth, but he is also God. And it's one of the things that you cannot, uh, if you don't believe that, you can't be a Christian. You can't say, okay, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Jesus follower. And then somebody asks them, well, do you believe uh, that Jesus is man and God? And if the person says no, they are not a Christian, no matter what they say. This is a huge issue. And we all are gathered here today because we believe that Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. <clears throat> I have a quote from a man named Alan Cairns right here. I want you to uh, look at this. This is, this is a little bit deep, but I figure uh, this is a more mature crowd, so I'm, I'm ready to give you guys this. Are you guys ready for this? The doctrine of the person of Christ is basic to the entire revelation of biblical Christianity. Error in this department is so serious as to make the one who holds it a heretic. To go wrong here is to go wrong everywhere. For every other doctrine of grace is inextricably bound up with the doctrine of Christ's person, who he is. The distinguishing mark of most false cults is their denial of Christ's essential and, et and eternal deity. This is a, an important doctrine, and this story that happened on the Mount of Transfiguration shows it to us in a huge way, and it showed Peter and James and John in a huge way as well. Uh, so I want to go back to Mark. Let's get back to Mark. It says, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. I don't know. Jesus was always going up to high mountains. I love hiking. I think Jesus loved it more. He was always going up to high mountains. I never thought about Jesus as a hiker, but I think this was a really tall mountain, and he just loved hiking. He wanted us to have his three buddies with him. And he says, uh, he took with him Peter, James, and John. He led them up the high mountain by themselves. And Mark just says it. And he was transfigured before them. Like everybody reading this knows exactly what that means. Peter, James, and John see Jesus transfigured before them. Now the word transfigure means to change form. All right, Luke gives us a little bit more detail into what exactly happened then. It says, Luke says, his face changed. So these men have been walking with Jesus for three years. They know him better than anyone, and they just see him change before them, and everything for them also changes. Now, I've been at this church for a long time. I, the last thing I want to see is my leader change. That's the last thing I want to see. I'm just saying. <laughs> now, Jesus has been with them for three years. They think they know him so well. 
but then he transfigures before them. I wish I could explain everything, what that looked like to them. This passage is just a huge mystery to us, but it was huge. All of a sudden, Jesus doesn't look like the man that they have been following for the last three years. They know him. They have a high view of him. They understand Jesus. But when they see this, it blows their mind. I actually have a photo of that. We have that? It should be right here. That's them. Do a lot of you guys use emojis, hands? You guys use, yeah, see? This is, this is the mind-blown emoji. This says, oh my gosh, what I just saw or what I just heard just blew my mind. Peter, James, and John were right there. Their minds were blown. They're not seeing Jesus the man that they have been walking with for three years and following everywhere. Now they're seeing that Jesus doesn't look so, so much like a man anymore. Jesus looks like God. For the first time, they have seen Jesus. And he doesn't just look like, the man, like a man anymore. He looks like the one and only true God. And their minds were absolutely blown See, what they didn't realize is that they had a small view of who Jesus was. And when this happened, they realized in that one moment that Jesus is always more than you think he is. And we can learn that too. Jesus is always more than we think he is. I know we go through life and we go through our days and sometimes we might forget about Jesus and we might do things uh, that make us seem like we're not followers of Jesus. But I will tell you this, no matter what you're going through, no matter what phase of life that you're in, Jesus is always more than you think he is. Now, could Peter, James, and John have had a higher understanding and view of Christ before the transfiguration? We would probably think, If anybody knew it, it's going to be the inner circle. It's going to be Peter, James, and John that really understand Christ. And then the transfiguration happens, and they realize, whoa, Jesus is so much more than we thought he was. If we go back to the text, Mark just throws this in as well. And there appeared to them... Uh, let's, let's go back one verse. Jesus' clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. Luke says that it was, he was as white as light. So you just have this earthly body, and finally God is letting his glory shine through Jesus. And you can see Jesus for who he truly is. And then Peter throws this in. And there appeared to them Elijah... With Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Okay, so Elijah and Moses are all of a sudden there. So now we have six people on top of the mountain, all right? One person has for sure died already. That's Moses. He was buried somewhere. We don't know where God buried him. Uh, Elijah was taken up a long time ago to heaven. Uh, As far as we can tell, he didn't die, but we are not exactly sure what that means. Uh, But we now have three men. We have the God man, and we have Moses and Elijah. And Moses and Elijah just pop up, and now they're all of a sudden having a conversation with Jesus. Now, Mark doesn't tell us what that conversation entailed. But Luke tells us that Elijah and Moses were talking with Jesus about his departure. Now that's a really nice way 
to put the fact that Jesus is about to be crucified. Moses and Elijah are there and they're speaking with Jesus about the crucifixion and everything that that entails. I wish I had insight into everything that was said, but I don't. My guess is they were encouraging him and they were saying, this is how the entire world will be reconciled to God. I don't know if you know this, but all of the law and all of the prophets point to one man. And here you have the lawgiver, Moses, representing the law and still pointing to Jesus saying, this is the only way. And you have the greatest of all of the prophets, Elijah, representing all of the prophets who always pointed to Christ. And they're both still pointing to Christ and saying, this is the only way. This is how God will reconcile the entire world to himself. And so you have Moses and Elijah there talking with Jesus. Then you have Peter's response. You guys know Peter's response, right? He pretty much gets a bad rap. Uh, This is an instant classic. Kind of like his confession of Jesus Christ was an instant classic, right? We, We quote that all the time. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. His next was an instant classic, but not because it was witty. Okay. In fact, to get scholars to agree on anything is pretty impossible. 100% of scholars agree that Peter should not have said this, and it was, it was dumb. <laughs> it was so out of character, but he was so scared. Let me tell you what Peter says. Peter says to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good that we are here. I don't know what Jesus would say. Okay, Peter, (laughs) thanks. I'm glad you think it's good that we are all here right now. I don't know what Peter was expecting. Remember, he's terrified. He has just seen Jesus change and transform somehow before him. He has no idea what to say. Now, it would have been better for him to kind of follow James and John, who were just speechless at this moment. They're like, wow, we just saw Jesus transfigured. Whoa, Elijah and Moses are talking with Jesus. This is crazy. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. But Peter was like, I'm going to say something. I got to say something. It's good that we are here. Then he says, let's make three tents. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Like, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus needed a tent that day. Like, I think since Jesus is now, we've seen that he's actually God. He's not just, he's not just doing things that say that he's God. Now we've seen it. I think the last thing that he would probably need is a tent. But Peter sticks his foot in his mouth, and he says all that. And we get to read it and unfortunately make fun of him uh, for the rest of time. And he's going to give me a hard time when he sees me in heaven now for doing this to him. <laughs> So if you think that all of that is absolutely incredible, something even more glorious happens in verse 7. Listen to this. A cloud overshadows them, and a voice comes out of the cloud, and the voice says, and this is God, the Father, speaking, this is my beloved Son. Listen to him. you kind of think, just kind of put yourself in this scene. A cloud comes down and it reminds you immediately of a cloud descending over the mountain of of, uh, Sinai where the Ten Commandments were given to Moses. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, 
I've read about something like this before. This is about to get real. And Jesus speaks from the cloud. Now, if, if I'm sorry, God speaks from the cloud. Now, if God is going to speak to someone and give them some advice, which group of people is he going to be talking to? Now, remember, he's not talking to a whole bunch of people. There's just six up there right now. It's Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, or Peter, James, and John. Who was it that needed to know that Jesus was the Son of God? It was Peter, James, and John. Who was it that needed to know that they needed to listen to Jesus? Was it Jesus, Moses, and Elijah? Absolutely not. So God is talking to three individuals on this mountain. And he says, this is my son. And that raises Jesus up even more in their minds. And they say, okay, he is God. And then he gives the simplest little command to these three guys. Listen to him. So Peter, James, and John now have this elevated, expanded view of who Christ is. And God says, you need to listen to him. Don't we all need that? What a simple Sunday school lesson. Have you ever heard it though? Listen to Jesus. Have you ever heard that? Has anybody ever taught that to you? This came from the mouth of God the Father to, uh, over his son and to Peter, James, and John. And I bet we've forgotten to teach our children and our grandchildren this. Listen to Jesus. It's something that we all need to do. Now this word listen means to hear but also to obey. Anytime you see this word in the Bible, it doesn't mean just hear Jesus. It means listen to Jesus and obey him. God is basically saying, look, I'm giving all authority to Jesus. He has it. He and I are one in the same, and you need to listen to him. It is horribly important that you, that you listen to him. So their idea of Jesus is growing and growing, as I hope ours is. I hope your idea of Jesus is growing as well today. Uh, If the transfiguration wasn't enough, I think God speaking uh, in the cloud was enough to convince everybody that they had a small view of who Jesus was. So I wonder if you and I took Jesus, uh, took God took God the Father at his word. Like if we kind of put ourselves in the shoes of Peter, James, and John up there on the mountain, we're terrified, God's voice booms and just says, listen to Jesus. I wonder if we take that to heart. I wonder if you and I are the kind of people that are listening to Jesus day after day after day. I think here's what it would look like if you and I would listen to Jesus. First, not one of us would ever worry. You know why? Because we listen to Jesus. And Jesus said, don't worry. If we took God at his word and listened to Jesus, we would love people like Jesus loved him. You know why? Because Jesus said to love people. And we listen to him. We would honor God in every single thing that we do because when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest of all of the commandments? Jesus said to love your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all of your strength. If we listen to Jesus, we would love and honor God in everything that we do. If we listen to Jesus, 
We would pray with faith. Do you know why? Because Jesus said to pray and have faith in your prayers. Have faith in him that he will answer your prayers. If we listened to Jesus, we would tell everybody about Jesus. You know why we would tell everybody about Jesus? Because Jesus told us to tell everybody about Jesus. And if we listen to Jesus, because we have this expanded view of who he is in our lives, we realize that we were thinking of him as a little too small. And we begin seeing that Jesus is always more than we ever think he is. And we really begin listening to him. We're going to be changing the world because Jesus said to And that brings us really to the last thing I want to show you today. Your idea of Jesus should grow daily, more and more and more. Do you know we have an eternity for this to happen? You're never going to get to the point in your life where you say, all right, I understand Jesus perfectly. That's not a thing. That's actually an impossibility. You will never begin to even touch the surface, even throughout all of eternity, as day after day in eternity, you're learning more, understanding him more, loving him more, following him more. You're never gonna say, I've arrived. I fully understand Jesus. I fully understand God. So make it your life goal to know Jesus more and more and more. And remember for every day, for the rest of your life, that today my view of Jesus is too small. What an awesome thing that's going to be. We are going to change the world if we take these things into consideration. And we realize that our God, Jesus Christ, is so much bigger than we ever think he is. In just a second, we're going to have an invitation. I don't know exactly every situation that every person is in in this room right now. Some of you may not have ever accepted Christ as your Savior. Let me tell you something. Jesus is more than you would ever think he is. And for those of us who have followed Christ for a really long time, Jesus is still more than we could ever think he is. Maybe you need to give your life to him. Maybe you need to see him a little bit more today. If you do need to give your life to him, we're going to have uh, some of us up here at the end of service, right when the music is playing, we can talk with you about starting a relationship with this Jesus Christ who is bigger than you could ever imagine and more than you could ever imagine. Maybe you just need prayer today. You can come down for prayer. Maybe some of you are looking to join a church that tries to see God and Jesus Christ as great. This is a church like that. We always lift Christ above everyone, hands down. And we want our view of Christ to expand and grow daily. So if that's you, you can come and speak with one of the pastors. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for everything that happened on the Mount of Transfiguration, even though It's a mystery to us. We can't even begin to understand every single thing that happened up there. But one thing that we do understand is we sure have a tiny view of our immense God, all-powerful. God, so my prayer is that each one of us would see Jesus 
for who he truly is and that that view would grow and grow each day for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.